The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from pitchless.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Houston Astros. Yes, the Houston Astros, and uh, this is part of my series of covering all 30 starting pitchers in the majors, uh, 30 pitching starting rotations, I should say. Uh, we talked about the Colorado Rockies and Detroit Tigers recently, and now it's going to be the Houston Astros. Uh, I'm recording this in December, however, uh, I'm going to be editing in any signings that happen or transactions or trades that happen between now and when this podcast comes out. So for those, you'll hear them at the end, okay? All the player assessments that I do are going to be uh, similar in all of that. Don't worry. Uh, I think everything I'm talking about still applies. Even if the Astros add one more starter, is it going to be Justin Verlander? I don't think so. I don't really think they need to add someone to this rotation. And I do also want to mention at the beginning of every one of these podcasts, of course, you should be uh, subscribing to the podcast and rating and reviewing us on iTunes. You are all the best for doing so. But I also do not want to forget to tell you who, what their opening schedule is. And it is four games against the White Sox and, and then three games against Detroit. And why I'm mentioning that is if you are drafting any of the Astros pitchers, you should know, do I want to start them the first week? I think all of them, honestly. Because whoever the five is is going to definitely want to go against the Tigers. And whoever the four is... Yeah, should be fine against the Chicago White Sox. So who are those guys? Well, the first one is Fran Bravaldez, 201 innings, 282 ERA, 116 whip, 23.5% K rate, and an 8% walk rate in 2022. Lots of hoopla around him. I mean, he did an amazing job for the Astros in the playoffs. He also had that incredible quality start streak. And if you are in a quality start league, you don't need me to tell you that Framber Valdez is a fantastic asset for those leagues. I'm talking about 5x5 five five where it's wins, not quality starts. And I, I do not know how to feel about Framber Valdez. Because the whip at 116 is always going to be bad. I mean, this is bad if you're spending a top 100 pick on a pitcher. That's just how it is. 116 generally brings you down instead of pushing you up. It's more in the middle. You say like 113, 114 is really like, okay, that's fine. That's good. But 120 is when it starts to get actually detrimental. 116, you just go, ah, it's not helping nearly as much as I want to. So why does that happen for Framber Valdez? Well, it's twofold. One, he is a nibbler. And what that means is that he's throwing these sinkers, curveballs, and sliders. We say cutters on the site right now. I think it's going to be changed to sliders around the zone. 
So that means that these sinkers are trying to jam inside, trying to go underneath the zone a lot. Rarely does he try to go up intentionally. You have these cutters going down and under the zone. You have these, these cutters as well. And he does not give in. He's not someone who just says, you know what? I'm just going to throw one over the plate for the sake of it. He's always going to be trying to get these pitches to dive, start in the zone, and then dive out of it. Thus, it's going to be an 8% walk rate. It's kind of like I was talking about with Eduardo Rodriguez um, just yesterday. So because of that, the whip is going to be up. Now, it's also going to make him a ground ball pitcher. And ground ball pitchers have higher BABIPs than fly ball pitchers. They limit damage. His home run rates are lower because it's just fewer fly balls. But more ground balls. Ground balls allow more hits. Thus, there you go. More hits, more walks, Papa John's. A higher whip than the average pitcher. That doesn't mean to say he is a bad pitcher. He's incredible at these ground balls. The most ground balls of any starting pitcher in the majors. He also has a really good defense behind it. Jeremy Pena there at shortstop has done a fantastic job. They just got Jose Abreu at first base, which should help from Guriel. Bregman is an incredible third baseman. I do wonder if the shift does affect Framber Valdez negatively or not. You know, generally you would think ground ball pitchers benefit from the shift because it's all infield stuff. And if they're positioning them better now that it's going to be worse because of the shift, it could negatively impact his hit per nine. Thus, whip goes up, thus ERA goes up, right? That is a, a, a thought process you can have about Framer Valdez, and I understand that. Um, but generally, this is who he is. Now, the 2-8-2 ERA, I don't think is. I think he's more of a 3-5 ERA guy, but that's fine. That's still okay with that. 23% K rate, that could possibly go up as that cutter was really effective. He only threw it about 10% of the time, and that could go up further to 15-20% because the sinker, let's be honest, it's a 40% contact, hard contact pitch. And that's that's a struggle, right? That That is the problem of this approach. He cannot just go curveballs, though. He cannot just go cutters. He has to throw these sinkers and sometimes he gets them at the bottom of the zone in the playoffs man he was so good at nailing it down and it's really really hard for batters to get underneath that sinker it's just you have to (laughs) you have to disagree with your eyes essentially and just cheat underneath and then oftentimes you'll cheat too much and then you'll pop it up and it's just so difficult so Framber Valdez is going to still be throwing those sinkers and get outs with them but it's going to open himself up to a lot of volatility at times uh, it's why even in, during that quality start streak, he still had a bad whip. You know, it, it's because he allows hits, but he gets outs with them too. So Framber Valdez to me is someone I'm not necessarily targeting because I think the 2-8-2 ERA is going to get worse. But 200 innings equated to about 200 strikeouts and he pitches for a winning ball club and is going into the sixth inning. So he's going to get wins as well. And that's something I may have been over or undervaluing in previous years was guys who go deep for winning teams and wins are a category whether I like it or not. And Framber Valdez will get you wins. And the only negative is that his whip does not help you. That's still pretty dang good. So I will likely be moving up Framber Valdez from his low 30s ranking that I have right now. Probably closer to 26 or so. Something along those lines. At the same time, I still think it's going to be frustrating at times rostering Framber Valdez. Um, someone I'd like better on the same team is Christian Javier, and I'm going to talk about him and the rest of these intriguing starters after this break. So Christian Javier, 150 innings, 254 ERA, 0.95 whip, 33% K rate, and 9% walk rate, 29% CSW last year. He has a top five fastball in the majors. His four-seamer, it's actually just like Spencer Strider's, throws at the top of the zone. It comes at 94, not 100. Doesn't matter. It returned just a 183 batting average allowed despite 60 
50% usage and missing the bats 15% of the time. Missing the bats. It misses the bats 15% of the time. Uh, strike rate is near 70% on it. It's incredible. And he has a slider that he gets a 62% strike rate on. There it is. That's it. I mean, Savant likes to split up the curveball and the slider a little bit. I call them the same pitch. They're both good. High CSW on it, just 11% hard contact. It's like, he's done it. Christian Javier's figured it out. The walk rate's at 9%. Why? Because he just, he over uh, extends the heater up as opposed to missing down. And what I mean by that is he's aiming for the top of the zone. And if you aim for the top of the zone, so then when you miss, the error bars go down into the middle of the plate or above it, right? So he actually aims slightly above it. And he gets whiffs there a ton. And then when he misses low, it's still okay. It's not as down as other guys are. And that's all right. That means he gets more walks. But it also means that he has a .95 whip because it's just stupid hard to hit. And he has a 2.54 ERA and a 33% carry. Like, draft Christian Javier everywhere. Make him your SB3. You can probably get him in the seventh round of your 12-teamer. And uh, you know what? Make him your SB2. It's fine. I <laughs> uh, Get whoever is there. in the if, if Aaron Knowles in the fifth, great. Whoever's there in the sixth round that we love, get him and then get Javier in the seventh and then get someone else in the eighth. And what do you know? You have the best pitching staff in your in your league. And also five hitters from the top five rounds. It's an easy game, guys. Just do that. No, um, I, I think Christian Javier is going to be extended further past 150 innings this year. I hope that he can be just a touch more efficient so that he can go six innings constantly. But honestly, even if he's five to six, he will get enough strikeouts. He had 200 with 148 innings. The same amount of strikeouts as Framber Valdez, and he'll likely be winning. Get get Christian Javier. I mean, it's a 20 point difference in WHIP. Just just understand that 0.95 to 115 is a 20 point difference. It's the same from 115 to 135. It's not necessarily going to be that. Likely not 0.95 again for Christian Javier, but you understand my point. Lance McCullers Jr. is also inside of this rotation. He only threw 48 innings last year because he was nursing an elbow injury, and I got to be honest with you, I kind of think he'll have one again. Why is that? Because he calls throwing a slider throwing the pizza. And (laughs) why, why throwing the pizza? Because that's what he does. He essentially chops with his pinky, but across his body, not down to his ankles. That's how you're supposed to do a curveball is down to your ankles. That's how I knew it. You karate chop down to your ankles. When you're going across your body, just do that with your hand right now and have your palm facing up and going across. You can feel the tension in your elbow. Actually, put your fingers where your elbow is. You'll feel the the bone going up, the tendon coming up. And no, that's not good. That's not good for your elbow. It is a really good pitch though, but I don't think that you're going to see 170 innings or so from Lance McCullers. Strikeout rate's going to be good. It was 26% last year. I don't really see why it can't be that. Whip is still going to be bad because he has a high walk rate. And why does he have a high walk rate? Well, it's because this sinker cannot be trusted. It is a traitor. No, I'm just saying that it's just not a pitch he wants to throw in the zone. And then he throws slinkers, sorry, sliders and curveballs. Those are great, but it's not a pitch that he can just instantly put on the edges or so. It's a little bit volatile. Everything else is not very good. Uh, the changeup, eh, whatever. So, as long as he has a, his, at least one of the slider and curveball working, he should have a decent day. The good days are when he has both. The even better days is when he also gets a, sink, a sinker in the zone and they does not get hit at all. I don't like all those ifs. I know it's a 227 ERA. It kind of blows my mind that it was. But Lance McCullers is not the guy that I think you should be going for. Luis Garcia and Jose Arquiti are very interesting. Because Luis Garcia... I think is still really good. 
372 E-Ray, 113 whip, 24% K rate, 7% walk rate. And by the second half of the year, we were wondering what was going on because his repertoire was weird. He, there were times against the lefties, he just won't throw his cutter and throw his curveball and stuff, but the curveball is not nearly as good as the cutter. And why are we doing this? And the fastball is bad. And why is the cutter not getting thrown more? And I don't get it. I, I don't get it. The cutter should be like a 35, 40% thrown pitch. The curveball should probably be a 25% pitch. And the fastball should be like a 35, 40. That should be the story of Luis Garcia. Do not care about lefty versus righty or whatever it is. Just same approach to both batters. Do the thing. But yeah, it was weird. And the Astros didn't even trust him in the playoffs. And I wonder how much the Astros will trust them in the regular season. And I I want to think he's their number five. Um, with Jose Urquidy as the number four, I'll talk about Urquidy in just a second. But 24% K rate last year. And if Luis Garcia is regularly pitching for the winning Astros, you should have him on your fantasy team. Only on 113 whip. That cutter is just that dang good. His 14% overall swing strike rate was the 25th best mark among all starting pitchers last year. So if that cutter is still being used a lot and the curveball goes up, then yeah, Luis Garcia should have better than a 3.72 ERA. So I'm all for drafting him. It's just... It's just going to be very annoying if that cutter isn't getting the love that it should. Jose Arquiti is also a very interesting one. Uh, 164 innings last year, 394 ERA, 117 whip, 20% K rate, and 6% walk rate, actually 5 to 6%. He's strange because he's a kitchen sink guy. His slider, curveball, and changeup all had a sub 20% hard contact rate last year. And you'd be saying, oh yeah, but they, I'm sure they didn't earn enough strikes. Uh all of them had a strike rate above 65%, yet there were times when Arquiti threw over 70% fastballs. I don't know why. This is, again, and the Astros are really smart. I don't want to sit here and say, like, oh, no, I know more than they do or anything like that. But it's just very strange because Arquiti has, it was known as this kitchen sink guy entering the year. That's why he had a low whip and he, he's able to throw strikes with these and those secondaries don't get hit very hard and this should work. But Arquiti decided to lean on fastballs more and no. 40% hard contact on those. I don't I don't want that. You know, uh, 275x average on them. Now, I think that Urquidy can kind of just hit the reset button. He got hurt a bit. I think he was trying to find his way, and he sometimes just leaned heavily on the fastball just to kind of find it, I guess. But if he can right the ship here, you know, and just be a 40% fastball guy and 60% everything else, there is a real path here to a 3.5 ERA 115 whip. Um, with a strikeout rate closer to 25%. And honestly, I would find that more dependable than Luis Garcia, but at least Luis Garcia has that cutter working still, and Urquidy's just kind of like, hey, I think this stuff works. I don't really know. So that that's the issue going on with Urquidy, and I think that's your starting five. There's a chance there's a starting six, um, and that would be Hunter Brown. But I imagine there will be one signing for the Astros. Maybe not. But yeah, that would be Framber Valdez, uh, Christian Javier, Lance McCullers is one, two, three. Urquidy is the four. Luis Garcia is the five. If Lance McCullers gets injured again, that could really open the door for Hunter Brown. Uh, but yeah, the White Sox and the and the Tigers are the first two starts of the year. So I would be fine starting any of these guys out of the gate. Now, Hunter Brown, I, I this is an interesting one for me. There's some hoopla about him saying, oh, take him with your, you know, your last rounds. We'll see how it goes. I'm not necessarily against that because the last three, four rounds of your draft are all just, okay, just throwing darts. Sure. I don't know if Hunter Brown is the one I want to go for, though, for a couple of reasons. One, is it going to be a six-man rotation? I don't 
think so. I think they had to do that last year because he wanted to uh, ramp up Verlander a bit. They had Garcia and Urquidy coming off of shorter seasons. They also had uh, Lance McCullers getting hurt, and they had Christian Javier they were easing uh, into the rotation. Just made a lot of sense to go six-man uh, for the Astros last year, but I think now it doesn't make as much sense. And Hunter Brown, well, he looked good. Pass the eye test, and definitely go watch the YouTube video I have of Hunter Brown's debut. I was absolutely blown away by this. And he did well in the, in the time, 0.89 ERA, 1.08 whips, 28% K rate, and a 9% walk rate. Keep in mind, some of that was in relief, five games relief, two games starting. The thing about Hunter Brown, 96, 97 mile per hour heaters, 9% swing strike rate. I know it's a very small sample of about 20 innings, but I kind of thought that that would be better. He didn't quite elevate as much as you want. It's you know 50% elevation, which is... Pretty league average. You want to see 65% or so for a guy, especially leaning in on fastballs. I mean, white uh, Javier is like a 75%. Um, and the curveball and slider were inconsistent. There were times they just looked wicked, like really wonderful. But it's not polished yet. That's really it. 9% walk rate in that time, you know? So even if Hunter Brown does start right away, I don't know if he's going to slide into it super comfortably. I mean, he did last year, so... Maybe he does. As of right now, he's on the rotation in my book. If he is in the rotation, if he looks great in spring training and, and demands the spot, then fine. If some some people are saying, oh no, it's like Christian Javier. Christian Javier took some time before he got regular starts. And if you want to make that investment for him being Christian Javier, by all means, go ahead. But becoming Christian Javier and Spencer Strider is a rarity. You know, this year we're talking about, oh, who's the next Spencer Strider or Christian Javier? Every year, it's a different mold, right, of, like, who these guys are. It was Shane Bieber and Tyler Glasnow before. It was, oh, Robbie Ray before, right? Who's the next Herman Marquez and Zach Wheeler and Walker Buehler and all of that stuff. So don't think of last year's mold as the only way, and that is the only path to someone doing well. I I wouldn't be holding on to Hunter Brown for the first six weeks of the season, hoping that he gets starts at some point. I, I think that you're just going to be missing out on other things that will provide you value during those six weeks. And I don't know if Hunter Brown's going to be that when he does arrive. But end of your draft, sure, we'll see how spring goes. And I I hope the best for him. And of course, you know, there's the Astros element of they just keep finding these amazing pitchers and turning them into really good things. So hopefully Hunter Brown is the next one for that. But all right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Plus Pitch Podcast. As always, make sure you subscribe, uh, rate and review us and go get PL Plus because the conversation is never ending there on our Discord. But that's it. So my name is Nick Pollock. I'm your Babas below and your strikeouts high.